Amen. That was a blessing. Matthew chapter number one tonight. If you'll take your Bibles and turn there to Matthew chapter number one. And uh, as you're making your way there, where's Emily? Emily, great job on that offering. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter number one. I, uh, in Sunday school this morning, I, I almost made the mistake. Well, I did make the mistake. I asked the teenagers for how many of them Christmas was their favorite holiday. And uh, hands shot up all over the room. And then I got really bold. And I said, I want to see how spiritual they are. And I asked them, why? And of course, I got the answer that I expected. Most of them, it was food and presents. But isn't it interesting that that so often is where we place the greatest emphasis when it comes to Christmas? We get so enthralled and so enthusiastic about the gifts and about the, uh, about the food and the time of fellowship. We forget what it's really all about. And I'm not picking on the teenagers tonight. I appreciate their brutal honesty. But if you have Matthew chapter number 1 tonight, I'm certainly uh, thankful for the opportunities that Pastor gives me to preach. I'm thankful to be here at Central Baptist Church. And God has been good to us. And I'm just thankful to be a part of it all. We begin tonight by looking at a very familiar account in the Word of God. And that account is the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'll begin reading in verse number 18. Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18, the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till, these, till, uh, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on the message tonight. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together around thy word. Lord, I certainly don't want to preach tonight without thy power. We don't want to meet tonight without thy presence, so I pray that you would meet with us tonight, and that you would bless the preaching of thy word, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. As we approach the Christmas season, especially throughout the month of December, we approach what has become a very busy time in our lives. For most of us, it is one of the busiest times of the year, and for folks all across our country, that is true. Some will be putting up all the decorations. They'll be getting out the lights and the trees, the nativity scenes, and so on. And I'll tell you, some of y'all really go all out with this Christmas decorating. Uh, My wife kind of gets upset with me because uh, I'll go ahead and tell on myself. On our street that we live on, you drive down it, and every single house is decked out with Christmas lights. And then you see our little dark corner without any lights. 
But it's a busy time, and folks enjoy putting out the decorations. Others begin doing all of their Christmas shopping, making sure and being very careful not to leave a gift out for anyone. And it's a time when families begin to meet together and have their time of fellowship and enjoyment. And like most of us, it's like a time of Thanksgiving when we overindulge far more than we should, and any chance of dieting goes out the window. We enjoy to gather together and eat. And then we come to Christmas morning, and for folks all across the country, it'll be a time when the children wake up early in the morning, they race down to the tree, and they begin opening all of their presents, and the parents just enjoy watching the joy and the happiness on the faces of their children. And while these things, you know exactly what I'm talking about, this is typically what happens uh, all across our country on Christmas morning. And while these things in the month of December are not necessarily wrong in and of themselves, but for so many, this is all Christmas has become. For so many across our country, the only thing they think about when it comes time for Christmas is the family and the food and the decorations and the presents. And it seems as though we have allowed all of these things to distract us and take us away from what truly matters. I'm not saying tonight that these things are wrong and I'm not preaching against decorations and having a good time with family and friends and food. But what I'm saying is that even amongst believers, if we're not careful, we will get lost and we will get consumed by the routines of Christmas that we miss what it's really all about. Tonight's message is not going to be a very deep message. In fact, it's a very simple message. But I believe as God's people, it's one we need to be reminded of. And so I want to preach to you tonight on the subject of the Christian's Christmas. And I hope you realize tonight that there is a great difference between what the world views as Christmas and what you and I as God's people ought to see as what Christmas is to be. You see, the world gets lost and distracted. The world gets lost and distracted in the self-centeredness of Christmas. We have made God's birthday all about ourselves instead of giving the glory to God, which He so rightly deserves. There is a great difference between the world's Christmas and what should be that of the Christian. And by the way, when I use the term Christian tonight, I am not referring to a saved individual. Rather, the true meaning of the word, the word Christian means little Christ to be a representative, to reflect the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be saved tonight and not accurately represent the word Christian. And so when we're looking at these things tonight, rather than just talking about a believer, when I say the Christian's Christmas, I am referring to one that is saved, yes, but to the individual that is in good standing and seeking after the Lord. And may God help us tonight to see there is so much that we miss If we are not careful. So notice with me three things tonight that we must do in order to have the Christmas that would be Christ honoring. Number one tonight. The real Christian will remember what Christmas is all about. The real Christian will remember what Christmas is all about. In Matthew chapter 1, look at it with me again in verse number 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. I believe that we find in the 21st verse, and then also in the 23rd verse, 
what could possibly be the greatest illustration, the greatest telling of what Christmas truly is all about. We get wrapped up sometimes in the babe in a manger with the swaddling clothes. But I want you to know when we think about Christmas this season, it ought to be all about what we read in verse number 21. In fact, if you mark in your Bible, I would encourage you to highlight where it says, Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Really and truly, when we come to the Christmas season, it is a time to remember that Jesus came to earth, but there is a distinct purpose for His coming. It was not just for Him to come and be with us, but there was a plan, a holy, eternal purpose in His coming to this earth. And so the real Christian will remember what the holiday season, what Christmas is really all about. You see, I want you to notice that Christmas is all about the way in which He came. It is all about the reason that He came. And it is all about what you and I have in Christ because He came. Notice with me the way in which the Lord Jesus Christ came. We find it in verse number 20. The Bible says in verse 20, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, saying, in a dream, saying, Joseph... Thou son of David, fear not to take to thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. I want you to see that the way in which the Lord Jesus Christ came, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ came born of a virgin. We must never separate Christmas from the virgin birth. Verse 20, when it tells us that that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. I want you to understand tonight, the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ means everything. It is of vital importance because that virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ proves to us and shows to us He is deity. He is the Messiah. He is Christ. There has never been another child come into the world the way in which Jesus Christ came. That virgin birth was a miracle in and of itself. And I want you to know tonight that because He did not come from a man, He had no sin nature. The Bible says very plainly, Jesus Christ did not come of Joseph. He came of the Holy Ghost. It was the Holy Ghost of God that placed inside the woman the seed of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, when He was born, He was born without a sin nature, still 100% man, but He was 100% God. And because of that, Jesus Christ was able to become the perfect sacrificial lamb that would pay the sins of others because He Himself had no sins with which to pay. Jesus Christ, that miracle of that virgin birth, the Bible says that when He came to earth, Yes, He became in the form of man. He had a human body. But my Savior walked upon this earth never sinning in His entire life. There was never an instance in which He disobeyed the Father. There was never an instance in which He was disobedient unto His parents. He had no sin nature. He was perfect. Now, the Bible does tell us that He was tempted. Some folks get the idea that when Jesus came to earth because He was the Son of God that it was just easy for him. The Bible says that he was tempted in every manner like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus suffered the same temptations that we suffer, but I want you to understand that virgin birth means everything because that proves he is deity. I want you to see as well in verse number 22, the Bible tells us not only was this evidence of the Lord's deity, but we have another reason for this virgin birth. In verse 22, the Bible tells us that the virgin birth was the fulfillment of prophecy. 
The Bible says in verse 22, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. If you know your Bible, you know that long before Jesus ever touched ground on this earth, it was prophesied in the Old Testament the manner in which He would come. And the Bible says that when He came, it was the fulfillment of this prophecy. You see, in Isaiah chapter number 7 and verse 14, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel. Long ago, the prophet Isaiah had foretold and prophesied under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost exactly how Jesus Christ would come to this earth. You know what this is? This is more evidence of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of it. Had Jesus decided to come to this earth any other way than the virgin birth, you and I would be without hope tonight. You and I would be without salvation tonight. For Jesus to have broken the word of God, for Jesus to have come contrary to what God had already foretold, we would be without hope tonight. There would be no chance of salvation. That would prove that He truly was not God. But I am thankful that God's word tonight is still inerrant. It is still perfect. Everything recorded in this book will come to pass just as the Lord Jesus Christ came as it was foretold. It's interesting that we come to the the month of December and the time that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ and perhaps the greatest attack that we see on Jesus Christ this time of year is the attack on the virgin birth. Why is that? Why do people attack so strongly the virgin birth of Christ? And the truth behind that is if they can discredit the virgin birth, then they can discredit all of the Word of God. But I want you to know tonight, I'm not concerned about that one little bit. I have enough faith in my God and in our preserved Word of God to know that it is perfect, infallible, and it has no errors within it. You see, people tonight, they just don't want to embrace the truth. Why is it that they battle against the virgin birth? They don't want to embrace the truth. Rather, they want to excuse themselves from the truth. And so we see tonight, Jesus came the way He came. He came born of a virgin. Notice, secondly... Not only did He come born of the virgin, but in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 7 and 8, we see another glimpse at how He came, the way in which He came. In Philippians chapter 2, we find that not only was He born of a virgin, but He came in the form of a servant. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible says, "...but made Himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I want you to see tonight, according to Philippians, we have eternally existent Christ. Jesus Christ had no beginning. He has always existed. And in eternity past, Christ existed in all of His glory and in all of His majesty as a spirit. And according to Philippians chapter 2, Jesus Christ laid aside His glory. He laid aside His majesty. And catch this, He put on the rags of flesh and took upon Him the form of a servant. I think you and I tonight, so often we underestimate the true level of humility which the Lord faced when He did this. 
It's hard for us to imagine because we have never seen Almighty God in all of His glory and majesty. We've never seen that. And I think because of that often, we underestimate just how much humility it was for the Lord to lay aside that glory and put on that robe of flesh. I want you to think about it. Jesus had all of the glory, all the majesty in heaven. But when He put on that old body, that old body would experience hunger. Something that in His glorified state He had never experienced. He would experience thirst and exhaustion. That old body that Jesus put on would even experience pain as we see Jesus as He hung on the cross, hung in agony and pain. You and I tonight, we don't really care too much about getting exhausted, do we? We don't care too much about feeling pain and sorrow. And yet Jesus, when He laid aside His glory, He came in the form of a servant. He put on those rags of flesh. He became as a servant. And He put on that body laying aside the glory. put on the body that would hunger and thirst, feel exhaustion and pain. Oh, He existed as a spirit, but now He possesses that body. By the way, that was not just for His earthly ministry. Sometimes we get the idea, what's the, you know, why is it such a big deal that Jesus put on that body? It didn't last very long, no friend. Jesus, when He put on flesh, it was not simply for His earthly ministry. When He put on that earthly body, I want you to know that that was an eternal decision because the Bible teaches that when you and I see the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall see Him as He is. We'll see Him, not in the Spirit, but we'll see those nail-pierced hands. We will see those nail-pierced feet. We will see Him with the marks of the cross. Now, I believe that when you and I get to heaven, we will have a glorified body that will not feel pain, will not feel sorrow, will not hunger, will not thirst, and praise God for that. But I want you to know that when Jesus came to this earth, He came in that form of a servant. He laid aside all that glory, and He came in the form of a servant. Friend, I want you to know tonight, it's all about the way in which He came. When you think of Christmas, we need to be reminded, the Christian will be reminded of what it's all about, the way in which He came. Notice, secondly, the reason that He came. Why on earth would Jesus come, be born of a virgin in such humble conditions? Well, there's an easy answer for that, and you know it. He did it for you, and He did it for me. The Bible says that when Jesus came to this earth, we read about it in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. They said, call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Why did He come? What's the reason that He came? The Bible says He came to die. Literally, the reason Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven and came to earth was so that He could die. I believe that while Jesus Christ was upon this earth... Every moment that he was alive, he knew where he was headed. And like a flint, his eyes were fixed upon that cross. As a young boy, every step that Jesus took, every miracle performed, every time he preached, literally every step he made was a step closer to Calvary. There was a purpose behind his coming. I want you to turn in your Bibles. You're already in Matthew. Turn over to chapter 20. I want to show you something here. The reason He came was to die, and to die for you and I. And in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 17, I want to show you something that's fascinating. Something that is miraculous. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 17, the Bible says this, And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way, and said unto them, 
This is Jesus speaking in verse 18. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed under the chief priest and under the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, and to scourge, and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, when He came to this earth, He knew all along the pain and the agony that awaited Him. He even tells His disciples in these verses, He says, listen, fellas, I want you to understand, I am going to be betrayed. And still, He came anyway. Jesus knew that He was going to be condemned unto death. And still, He came anyway. He is to be mocked, and He came anyway. He is to be scourged, and still He came He is to be crucified, and He came anyway. You see, when Jesus was here, it was not a shock to Him what was to come. From a very young child, He was still the God-man. He still knew. He was omniscient. He knew exactly what awaited Him. And every step He took upon this earth was a step closer to that death, to that Calvary, where He could pay for the sins of the world. There are other passages that speak about the beating that He bore, the crown of thorns that He wore, the pierced side, the rejection of Peter whom He loved, and then God the Father turning His back on and pouring out His wrath upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And still knowing this, praise God, He came. He came to die, but He did that that you and I might live. What is Christmas all about? It's about the reason that He came. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, the Bible says, "...who His own self bear our sins in His own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed." Oh, I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ came, born of a virgin, walked that pure, sinless, perfect life, and went to the cross of Calvary, so that according to 1 Peter 2.24, we who are dead in sins may be able to live unto righteousness. Jesus literally bore in His body the sin of the world. You see, when we approach the Christmas season and when we wake up on Christmas morning, the real Christian, the one following God, must go beyond the fact that He came, must go beyond just the simple babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and see the purpose for which He came We are to celebrate and remember that without Christmas, there is no Calvary. Without the birth of Christ, there is no saving grace. We see the way in which He comes. We see the reason for which He comes. Now notice with me what we have in Christ because He came. What is it that you and I have because of that virgin birth? What do we have because He came to earth and died on the cross for our sins? Listen to me carefully tonight, folks. We have everything because He came. That wonderful verse, probably the most well-known verse in the Bible, says it all. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, because He came, you and I have a way to have eternal life. We have a way to have our sins forgiven. There is a way to be joint heirs with Christ. There is a way to live in victory and power. You and I no longer have to walk defeated in darkness. You and I no longer have to be bound by our sins. Because Jesus came to set the captives free. 
Jesus came to provide salvation for you and I. The Bible says, for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank God if you recognize tonight that you're a sinner, you realize that sin must be punished and Jesus died on the cross for your sins. The Bible says that if you'll call on Him and ask forgiveness of your sins and ask Jesus to save you, you will have eternal life. You will have your sins forgiven. You will be a joint heir with Christ. Friend, listen, we have everything because He came. And by the way, Jesus... And I was thinking about this, in fact, when we were traveling last week, another preacher said this, and it just has been in my mind. You realize Jesus did not have to come. He didn't have to. Jesus already owned everything. Why did He come? He came for you and I. Do you realize that when Jesus came, He was not benefiting from that? Jesus did not need us. When Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross for our sins, it was you and I that are the beneficiaries of all of it. He did it for you and I. You see, Christmas is all about the way He came. It's about the reason He came. It's about what we have in Christ because He came. And the real Christian, if you want to have a Christmas that honors God, you'll remember these things. But notice with me secondly tonight, not only does the real Christian remember why He came, but don't miss this. The real Christian will remind this old world what it's all about. You see, we need to remember as God's people what Christmas really is, but we need to go beyond just remembering it for ourselves, and we need to remind this world what Christmas really is. We've spent so much time already looking at what it's all about, but just remember that that is not just for you and I to remember. We need to remind the world what Christmas really is. I want you to see a need tonight. And to be quite frank with you, this need is always existing every day of the year. But it seems like God gives us opportunities at certain seasons where the doors of opportunity are just opened a little wider. And so I want you to see there's a need tonight. You know this. We live in an increasingly biblically ignorant society. Did you catch that? We live in an increasingly biblically ignorant society. There are so many people around us that have no idea that Christmas is about the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, our society and the prince of this earth, the devil, has done a great job at twisting and distorting what Christmas is. We have become so foolish in our society to think that it's about all these other things aside from the Lord Jesus Christ. Many have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. And these are people living around us in Marion County. They have no idea what Christmas is. They have the idea, and our world has told them that Christmas is all about the lights. It's all about the trees. It's all about Santa Claus. It's all about the presents. It's about the family and the food. And they are completely ignorant to the fact that it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, our world has worked very hard, and Satan has worked very hard to remove Jesus Christ from Christmas It has worked so hard to remove Jesus from His own birthday. It's no wonder that we have such a clouded view in America today. When you go out and about and you're doing your Christmas shopping, one of the things you're going to hear is Happy Holidays rather than Merry Christmas. One of the things you're going to see is Xmas rather than Christmas. What what is the idea behind this? They're trying to remove the Christ from Christmas. 
Friend, listen, we got to do a better job as the church of reminding this world what Christmas really is. I saw a news headline this week. I was browsing through my cell phone and a news article popped up. And it was about an elementary school principal in Nebraska who reportedly banned candy canes in her school saying that the J-shape stands for Jesus. This is in our country. This elementary school could no longer have candy canes because that J stood for the Lord Jesus. See, friends, listen, we need to, as a church, combat this and boldly remind this world what Christmas is all about. I hope you understand tonight that we still have a commission given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I believe with all of my heart, God gives to us certain times a year where that opportunity to be a witness, that opportunity to share the gospel with the world, that door is opened a little wider. And I believe at Christmas time, you and I have a greater opportunity. It seems like folks may be a little more open to receiving the Word of God. We have to do a better job at reminding the world what it's all about. It's not about Santa Claus. It's not about the gifts and the presents. It's about Almighty God and what we have because He came. I'll never forget a conversation that I had a few years ago with an 11-year-old boy. He came in on the bus route at a former church that I attended. And he went to children's church that morning. And to be honest with you, I have no idea what was taught that morning. Uh, At that particular church, we had three couples that did a monthly rotation teaching children's church. And... That was not my month to teach. But when church was over, he got on the bus. And I was driving the bus, taking him home. And this 11-year-old boy asked me this question. He said, Brother Josh, who is Jesus? Who is Satan? They were talking about Jesus in church, and I have never heard that name before. Friend, I want you to understand that this boy, 11 years old, had no idea who the Lord Jesus was. Had never heard of Satan And I want you to understand tonight that this is in the Bible Belt. This is where there is a church on every corner and on every street. And yet at 11 years old, this young boy was completely ignorant when it came to God and the Bible. Do you see that there's a need tonight? Do you see that God has given to us a great commission that we need to fulfill? Folks, I want you to see the need. But I want you to understand as well, not only see the need, but where there is great need, God gives great opportunity. Don't only see the need tonight, but I want you to see the opportunity that we have. You and I can take advantage of the opportunities to share the meaning of Christmas with this world. You may run across someone as you're doing your shopping, and they'll say to you, Happy Holidays. And chances are, they are saying that because their employer has told them that they have to. Because they don't want to rock the boat. It's not politically correct to say Merry Christmas. And so chances are, when you go to the store and those folks tell you on the way out the door, Happy Holidays, they say that because they've been told to. But you know, it could very well be possible they have no idea why they're saying it. It could be that they have no idea what's the big deal with saying Merry Christmas. They just don't know. And it it might be interesting. It might be worth your time. You know, typically when they say that, we kind of thunder back, Merry Christmas. And I understand the purpose behind that. But you know, it may be interesting sometime when somebody says Happy Holidays to you just to ask them a question. I said, hey, I noticed you said that. Why not say Merry Christmas? I mean, after all, it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You see, it could be that they just have no idea. It could be that they are biblically ignorant when it comes to the things of God. And that very simple question may open up an opportunity for you to give the gospel. Chances are, when you speak in the month of December, statistically, you will speak to more people than you do at any other time of the year. You'll speak to more people, you'll run across more people because you're out and about, you're shopping, you're traveling, you may run across people. You and I need to do a better job at taking advantage of opportunities that God gives us to be a witness. You know, this may be a great opportunity for you if you have lost family members to reach your family members who normally are cold and turned off to the gospel. I found that the Christmas time, it just seems like a happier time. And maybe folks in your own family who typically uh, 11 months out of the year are cold to the gospel, they may be a little more receptive. You gather together as a family, it might be an opportunity for you to share with them the gospel. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, very familiar verse, listen to it. The Bible says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I want you to know that angel of the Lord told them that the good tidings of great joy, the news of Jesus Christ, those last two words, he says that it was for all people. Amen. You realize tonight that God's love is not a location. God's love is people. You and I are the object of God's love. And he says his message is meant for all people. And that same message, those good tidings of great joy that the angel brought to those people some 2,000 years ago, those good tidings of great joy is the same message that you and I can go forth and tell others. The world needs to know it. You have good tidings. Share them. Share the gospel. Work hard this week. Listen to me. Work hard this week to invite our city to this Christmas cantata. You had just a glimpse of it a moment ago, and the choir did a fabulous job. They're working hard at it, but they're not doing it so they can get a pat on the back. They're doing it because we're presenting the gospel. Can I tell you that this cantata, though it may stir your heart, may help you as a believer, but it is all in vain unless we have lost people in our services. How are they going to get here? Are they going to be busting down the church, knocking on the doors to come in? No. They're going to come because God's people have worked hard to invite them. We need to work hard this week at inviting our city to come to hear our cantata. Many of you tonight, you've already invited people and you've been praying about it and you've been working on them. Praise God! Now let me step on your toes because there are some of you who have not invited a single person. Five days away from the cantata and some in here tonight have not even invited a single person. Friend, do not waste the opportunity God has given you. There are few things as easy as taking a card like this, beautifully done, and walking up to somebody and say, Listen, friend, I want to invite you to our cantata. Our choir will sing. The drama will be involved. You will really enjoy this. I promise you, I want you to come. Give them a card. There are few things in serving God that are as easy as inviting somebody to a cantata. Why are we wasting that opportunity? The real Christian, if he wants to have a Christmas that is Christ-honoring, will work at reminding the world what it's all about. We need to stop allowing the world to tell us what Christmas is. We need to stop allowing Satan to distort and twist the truth 
of the Lord Jesus Christ coming for you and me. You know, if you give out this card to somebody, I'm not going to promise it. They may just come to church. They may just get saved. What better gift can you give your Savior on His birthday than to bring others into the family? Let's work at it. Let's work at it. The real Christian, if he wants to have the Christian Christmas, remembers what it's about. He seeks to remind the world what it's about. Lastly, and and thirdly, the real Christian, if he wants to have that Christ-honoring Christmas, will reverently make more of Christ than he does himself. He will make more of the Lord Jesus Christ than he does for himself. You know, it is such a shame for people who know it's about Jesus' birthday. They know it's about the very day that Messiah came to save His people from their sins. And yet they make it a day all about themselves and leave Jesus Christ completely out of it. It's such a shame. Too often we make Jesus' birthday all about us. I've been guilty of that. And I think if you're honest tonight, so have you. We tend to think that Christmas morning is all about what you and I want. It's all about what I want, what presents I want to receive. It becomes about what gifts we're going to give to the children and the joy we're going to see on their faces. And we're so consumed with getting gifts for the kids, we forget about giving a gift to the Savior. We're so concerned about gathering together as a family, and I'm all for it. I'm not preaching against it. But too often, Christmas morning includes very little of Jesus Christ. There will be some that will wake up, and as a family, they will open their Bibles and they'll read through the Christmas story first thing on Christmas morning. And I thank God for that. I really do. But I'm afraid so often there are Christians, saved folks, who they get up in the morning and they'll read through the Christmas story, but I'm afraid so often they treat it almost as an object, as an obligation, something just to get out of the way so that they can get on to what they truly enjoy and want to do. Friend, listen tonight. If you get up and you read through the Christmas story and you mean it with all your heart and you do it because you want to put Jesus Christ first, I'm all for it. But if you wake up on Christmas morning and you spend five minutes reading through that Christmas story, you put it away and you never come back to the Lord the rest of the day, I'm not for that. And neither is the Lord. We take a day that is to be all about the Lord Jesus Christ and we make it a day that is void of the Lord Jesus Christ. Others are just so consumed and busy, caught up in the world's version of Christmas and in the family traditions that they do from year to year, that they simply forget to include Him. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not against family traditions. I'm not against doing the same thing every year and it becomes something that you do year after year and enjoy. I'm not against those things. But I feel too often when we get so busy that it is by, divine, by design and Satan works it out so that we're so busy... Maybe not doing bad things, but just so busy we forget all about the Lord. We need to slow down because we do live in a busy world. Do you know tonight that getting busy with Christmas tradition and getting in the Christmas routine and forgetting about the Lord is exactly what happened to so many in Jesus' day? Stay with me, we're almost done. When Jesus came to this world... For years and years, 
that God's people had been looking for the Messiah, been looking for the coming of the Christ. They looked for the one that would save them from their sins. And yet all the religious leaders in Jesus' day were so caught up in their traditions that when Jesus stood in front of them, they missed the Messiah was right there. They were so caught up in their traditions that it had become their way of life. They were so caught up in themselves and the power that they would have to relinquish in order to admit that He had come. And the truth is tonight, you and I get so busy that on the very day that should be all about Him, we've made it a day that's void of Him. Just too busy. You know, those disciples and the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the greatest battles that they faced... You think of Paul and Peter. You think of Jesus Christ. One of the greatest battles they faced when they were doing their earthly ministry was battling with the traditions that had become a way of life. I understand that there is a way in which we as our families, we in our country have established this is how we do Christmas. Thank God for it. I'm not preaching against family. I'm not preaching against food. I'm not preaching against gifts. I'm not preaching against excitement and happiness. But may we not get so caught up in the routine and in the traditions. We leave the Lord Jesus Christ out. Tonight, a real Christian will remember what it's all about. It's about Jesus who came, yes, but it's about Him coming to die that we might live. We've got to get beyond that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. we got to see there was a reason He came. Had He just come and walked on the earth a while and went back to heaven avoiding Calvary, we'd have no hope tonight. He came to die. A real Christian will be broken hearted as he looks at the world around him and he sees what the world has done with his Savior's birthday and he'll seek to remind the world what Christmas truly is. The real Christian will make more of the Lord than he does of himself, remembering it's all about him. May we not simply read a passage of Scripture this year and then move on, but may it be a day in which we with our families reflect on and give thanks to Christ for all that he's done. May it be a time of teaching our children what Jesus has done for us. May it be a time when we seek to give Jesus the greatest birthday which he so rightfully deserves. Listen, I'm not against this. Typically, Christmas morning, the first thing you want to do is allow the kids to run and open their presents. I'm not against it. But do you realize tonight that if you will allow Jesus to have first place, and you will in your family allow your children to see that more important than the presents, more important than your spouse, more important than your children, is the Lord Jesus Christ, it will teach your children something. They'll see something growing up that'll make a difference in their life down the road. They'll see that mama and daddy give a very high regard to the Lord Jesus Christ. They give great attention to Jesus on His birthday. It'll help them to see what it's all about. Friend, the question is tonight, are you going to have an average Christmas? Are you going to have a Christmas that is honoring and pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's bow for a word of prayer tonight.